0: If you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 27. And again, happy Mother's Day. I, I had the wonderful privilege of being able to preach my mama's funeral and um, was able to talk about her welcoming grace. My mama was a very, very kind and generous and hospitable woman and boy when you bring friends home or when we would go home as family you could always expect pound cake and chocolate chocolate pie and banana pudding and good old stuff and especially mama's hugs a lot of fun i also talked about her spiritual nurturing in my life when i was 12 years old i went to my mama and talked to her about jesus and she led me to faith in christ when i was 16 years old for christmas she got me a charles ryrie New American Standard Study Bible. And I began to read that Bible as a 16, 17, 18 year old. Now I'm 45 years old. And what I have right here is a Charles Ryrie New American Standard Study Bible. Still using the same old Bible, not the same one, but the same one that she got me started on. When I went off to the University of North Texas, she gave me a little book on memorizing scripture. You're going to need this, Mitch. And it became not only reading my Bible, but memorizing scripture became just an incredible part of my life. Uh, She bought me my first set of commentaries. Some of you old timers will remember the J. Vernon McGee commentaries. My mama bought me a set of those. She bought me my first set of Charles Haddon Spurgeon sermons. Uh, She was wonderful for my spiritual life, and no telling how many prayers she prayed. She had great perseverance. As I said at the funeral, if you live till you're 75, I guess all of you got perseverance, you know? You got to just keep going through lots and lots of stuff. We all have our struggles. Mama had hers, but she just kept one foot, one step in front of another and talked about her salvation, that she had put her trust in Jesus Christ. And that gives such assurance, doesn't it? To know that your loved one has turned and put her faith in Jesus. And um, as I wrote last week and as I said at the funeral, she is gone, but she will rise again. That is the hope that a Christian has. It's not that we sprout wings and a halo and become an angel. Our hope is just as Jesus died and rose again, so too will all who are in Him. Though they die they shall rise again. And he will transform the body of our humble estate into conformity with the body of his glory. And so all of us who know Jesus, we look forward to the day, not only when we will be with him, but when we shall be raised anew forever and forever. And uh, on this Mother's Day, here's what I want us to look at. Doesn't that look fun, moms? Acts chapter 27. Boy, this is going to be a great Mother's Day sermon. I think there's good stuff here. Acts chapter 27 through 28.16 is the story of the Apostle Paul's boat ride. Boy, that sounds like fun too, doesn't it? Um, John Stott, great commentators on the book of Acts, said this, Why on earth did Luke devote so much of his precious space to this graphic but seemingly unedifying story. To be sure, his reputation as an accurate chronicler is enhanced by it, and his portrait of Paul in a crisis situation is helpful, but still the length of the narrative seems out of proportion to its value. And if you look at chapter 27, it's a long chapter. And it's just, if you will, the details of his boat ride. From Caesarea, he was in prison in Caesarea, all the way to Rome. If you look at the end of chapter 7, 27, way over there, and so it happened that they were all brought safely to land, and then in 28, 14, and thus we came to Rome. What do we make of it? Is it a seemingly unedifying story or does it have something special for all of us and indeed moms as well? I certainly think it does. We'll start like this. Despite the many challenges that come your way and mine, we're invincible until God's purposes for our lives are accomplished. The Apostle Paul in chapter 27 and really the chapters leading up to this circumstance after circumstance seemed calculated to make his coming to Rome absolutely impossible. If you remember the story from several weeks ago, this was Paul's plan. He had been in Ephesus on his third missionary journey, was going to go through these churches and collect money to bring back to the suffering churches in Jerusalem deliver that money, and then get to Rome just as fast as he could to share the gospel with them, to help them, but he wanted to be helped by them to take the gospel all the way to Spain. That was the plan. But if you've been following with us, you know that Paul left Ephesus, collected all of the money, actually had to come back this way, made it to Jerusalem, delivered the money, but then he got arrested. He was taken to Caesarea, And here he would spend two years in prison, having to make his defense before Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and yet they asked him if he would be willing to come to Jerusalem and stand trial. He knew he wouldn't get a fair shake there, and as a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar, which means he wants to stand trial in Rome. And so chapter 27 is the story of Paul getting to Rome. But just to recount a few and then share a few others. Paul, when he got to Jerusalem and delivered the money, was arrested. You remember that? The crowds were stirred up. They took hold of him, and their desire was to kill him. He was brought before a number of senseless trials. Before the people, he made his defense. Before the Sanhedrin, he made his defense. Before Felix, before Festa, before Agrippa. I think, among others, that Luke is showing us how Jesus went before and had five trials, and now Paul is having to go through five difficult trials. The one before the Jewish leaders was very reminiscent of Jesus before the Jewish leaders. And we know what happened to Jesus When he was before the elders and the scribes and the Sanhedrin, it ended up in his death. Surely Paul, when he was brought before them, was not sure what would happen to him. But he was released from that. Then a plot was formed against him to try to kill him. But a little birdie, if you will, told Paul's nephew about it and things were able to settle a bit. He was imprisoned in Caesarea for those two years. After that, before Felix, before Festus, before Agrippa, another threat to assassinate him. They wanted to bring him to Jerusalem, and their desire on that trip from Caesarea to Jerusalem was to ambush him and to kill him. And so time and time and time again, the circumstances are just rough. But then you get to chapter 27 and you get this long boat ride. And what we find out on the boat ride is that he is nearly drowned in the Mediterranean. He is nearly killed by the soldiers. And when in fact they finally do reach land, he's bitten by a snake and everybody expects that he's going to die. Over and over and over again, Paul's life is seemingly in trouble. And Luke, in chapter 27, focuses in on the storm. And here's what we need to know about the storm at sea. In the Bible, the sea is a place of chaos. It's the imagery of evil. It's out of your control. And often, it is a symbol of evil powers in opposition to God. And so as we read about this voyage and as we see the storm and we see the contrary winds time and time and time again, what we're meant to understand as many have said that the issue here is not the forces of nature, water, wind, or even the snake later in the story, or the machinations of man, the schemes and the plots and the threats to take Paul out. What's at issue here Probably in chapter 27, are the demonic forces at work to try to take Paul out? And this is just the same old story that we've seen all throughout Scripture. If you've read the Bible, if you've been to Sunday school, maybe you remember. Pharaoh tried to take out Moses. Later, it would be Haman who would try to take out and annihilate the entire population of the Jewish people. It would be Herod the Great who would try to murder the baby Jesus and take him out before his work even began. It would be the Jewish leaders in the Sanhedrin who would try to put a stop to the early church before it ever really got going. And now here, it is Satan trying to take out the Apostle Paul before he can proclaim Christ in Rome and most likely before Nero, to be an ambassador of the gospel in the most important city in the world at that time. This is the last ditch effort, if you will, of Satan. And yet, what is incredible in the story is that Paul made it to Rome. And it wasn't simply his perseverance, but it was Jesus' providential care. All along the way, with all of these threats, with all of these schemes, with all of these forces arrayed against him, time and time and time again, Paul was delivered. In Acts chapter 26, verse 22, He said, so having obtained help from God, I stand this day. Paul understood that God was at work in and through the circumstances of his life, caring for him. The doctrine of providence teaches us that God not only creates all things, and he not only sustains all things, But God guides all things to their appointed ends. That in the midst of our circumstances, when seemingly they're going out of control, God is in absolute control. Working out His plans in ways that maybe we could never imagine. This was not exactly Paul's plan. He wanted to get to Jerusalem, deliver the money, and then head on to Rome. He gets to Jerusalem, delivers the money, but then he's arrested and imprisoned in defense after defense after defense, and then put onto a prisoner's boat that nearly killed him. And all along the way, this was never Paul's plan. And when he gets to Rome, that's great, but he gets there as a prisoner and will have to sit in prison for another Two years. And so, maybe, first thing for you and I to think about is that despite our hardships and the circumstances of our lives that sometimes do not go according to our plans, God is still at work. And He is accomplishing His purposes, and you and I are absolutely invincible until his purposes for us are done. Are you going through anything hard? Maybe you've been laid off from a job. Maybe you've been diagnosed with a disease. Maybe you're going through physical pain. Maybe you're going through a financial hardship or emotional turmoil over loss. Or if we could press into Mother's Day, maybe you're up lots at night, rocking those babies, feeding those babies, and cleaning up their throw-up, as my wife did two, days ago, or two weeks ago. Our, our little one, Maddie, got sick and threw up 14 times in about 16 hours. I was at work. <laughs> You're spending those countless hours playing with them and loving them and teaching them and disciplining them, and you're just going, man, this is not necessarily how I had everything planned out. Sometimes raising your children goes just absolutely wonderful, and sometimes it's really, really hard. The highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And maybe along the way you scratch your head. Maybe along the way you shed some tears and you're just wondering, what in the world are you doing, Lord? This is not working out the way I thought. This was not my plan for my life. And yet what we find is that all along the way in the circumstances of our lives, God is there. And God is at work. And God is accomplishing his purpose. When Paul gets to Rome, he is imprisoned. He's been in prison in, Rome, in Caesarea for two years. He's been on this boat for several months. And when he gets to Rome, he'll be put in prison for another two years so let's call it four and a half years this is the apostle paul this is the guy who is the activist for christ is he not out and about and let's take the gospel just as far as we can Let's go plant churches. Let's lead people to Jesus. Let's make disciples. Let's train leaders. And let's send them out. And let's go plant another church. And let's move to the next city. And let's do this. And let's do that. Uh, uh, uh. And now he's going to have to sit for four and a half years. The many challenges that you and I face, listen, they can expand and enrich and authenticate our ministry for Jesus. Think about the Apostle Paul and the expansion of his ministry. If we think just about when he came to Rome and sat in prison for two years, Luke tells us that he was able to welcome visitors to him. And we know from what he writes in the book of Philippians that what he did when he welcomed those people is that he shared the Gospel with them. And also he had these Roman soldiers that were with him at all, the t- all the time. And the book of Philippians tells us that those Roman soldiers heard the Gospel over and over and over again. And the expectation is, we're not exactly sure about this, but in, because of this, the circumstances of Paul's life, he most likely was able to share the Gospel face to face with Nero. In fact, in chapter 26, or no, it's in 27, on the boat ride, Jesus had appeared to him, or an angel had appeared to him, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. Had Paul taken that gift to Jerusalem and everything gone just absolutely according to his plans, Paul would have delivered the money and hopped on the next boat and made it to Rome, and probably never would have had access to Nero. And yet for all of the hardship that God made him go through, most likely he got to stand face to face and not only proclaim the gospel in Rome, but proclaim it to the Caesar of Rome. And so, our circumstances, our hardships, you know, sometimes we scratch our head. We don't know what God is up to. But it may well be that He is expanding our ministry in ways we could never even imagine. Mamas with those little kiddos, the ministry that you get to have with them, it's just off the charts. And maybe when you're raising those little babies and it's not going so well and it's just hard and you're like, ah! But also in those years of the time when you're meeting other moms and you're getting together and you're meeting them at the, at the playground there in the neighborhood and you get to meet new moms and all of a sudden you get an opportunity to share the God. God just can expand our ministry in ways we'd have never imagined and it's in the midst of our hardship sometimes that he does it. Maybe it's through cancer. Maybe it's through a loss of a job. Maybe it's through the loss of a loved one that you get an opportunity to expand your ministry and tell others about Jesus, that maybe you would have never had that opportunity had the hardship not come your way. So God can expand our ministries in the midst of our challenges and hardships. Number two, he can also enrich them. Again, this is Paul the Apostle. This is Paul the missionary. This is Paul the church planner. This is Paul the leadership developer. This is the go, 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 go. And now he's having to sit, 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 sit. Do you know what he did during those two years when he was in Rome sitting, sitting, sitting? He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, And Philippians. Have you ever read Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians? Ephesians is six chapters long. Colossians is four chapters long. Philemon is one chapter long, and Philippians is four chapters long. You can read all four of them this afternoon in about an hour. Paul had already written Galatians, and he had written that in the midst of just heated theological debate. About what, what must one do in order to be saved? He wrote first and Second Thessalonians just really weeks or maybe a few months after having planted the church in Thessalonica, encouraging them and answering some of the questions that they had. He then wrote first and Second Corinthians in the midst of just crazy ministry schedule, and yet also deep love and pain and heartache for those Corinthian believers. He then wrote Romans with this great expectation of getting to Jerusalem with the gift and then making his way to Rome to be with them so he could be helped by them to take the gospel even further to Spain. Incredible, wonderful letters of the Apostle Paul. But have you ever read Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, and Philippians? One author said it like this. So then, the Holy Spirit using his custody, being imprisoned, to clarify and enforce this truth, the three main prison letters, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, set forth more powerfully than anywhere else the supreme, sovereign, and undisputed and unrivaled lordship of Jesus Christ. The person and work of Christ are given cosmic proportions. For God created all things through Christ and has reconciled all things through Christ. If you've read these letters, you'll just hear the language of these letters. The fullness of the Godhead which dwelt in Christ has also worked through Him. Christ is the agent of all God's work of creation and redemption. In addition, having humbled Himself to the cross, God has highly exalted Him. All three prison letters say so. God has given him a name or rank above all others. All things have been put under his feet. It is God's will that in everything he might have the supremacy. Was it not through this very confinement that his eyes were opened to see the victory of Christ and the fullness of life, power, and freedom which is given to those who belong to Christ? Paul's perspective was adjusted. His horizon extended, his vision clarified, and his witness enriched by his prison experience. So the hardships that you and I go through, the difficulties of motherhood, God can and may well be using those hardships to expand your ministry and to enrich your ministry. Because it's in the hardships, it's in the difficulties that we get to know Him better. That He takes us deeper in our relationship with Him. We have to lean into Him more. We find ourselves reading the Scriptures more. And that enriches our own spiritual life and and it can enrich our ministry to others. Because in many ways we've been there and we've done that. Young moms come along and they're talking about the hardships that they're going through, and you say, Oh, yeah, honey, I've been there. Let's have coffee. And you can tell them about God and His goodness to you in the midst of it. Finally, so God may want to expand our ministries in it, enrich our ministries, and then we might say to authenticate our ministries. People may just be more willing to listen as we go through hardships, especially when we go through hardships with joyful faith. Because we show that Jesus Christ is our joy, more so than our own comfort, more so i a loss of words, more so than, um, than our comfort, than our blessing. We trust him in the midst of it. So God does good things. When we take a look at our plans, and he has a whole different plan, and it's not the way we would have worked things out, It's not the path we would have chosen. We shake our head and we fight against grumbling and we're just not sure what the Lord is doing. He knows exactly what He's doing. And He's at work in your circumstances and in your life to expand, to enrich, to authenticate. And so, brothers and sisters, let's hang in there. Nothing is going to thwart his plans for your life. I don't know if you remember, but several chapters ago, Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul and told him, you will see Rome. And then you get a series of forces just absolutely arrayed against that ever happening. And sure enough, you get to the end of the book, and so we came to Rome. No weapon fashioned against us will prosper until Jesus' plans for us are done. He will watch over us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. He will deliver us until he deems it's time. He will do it in unexpected ways. He'll do it in ways we might not have chosen But he will never leave us, and he will never forsake us. And so we trust him. We obey him. And as best we can, we we keep our, our hands open. Lord, whatever you have for my life, I will trust you. I will follow. I will obey. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I know my brothers and sisters here and I know that so many of them have gone through, recently have gone through just some hardship. and Maybe not exactly like Paul's. Maybe not folks out to kill us. But just things that are difficult. Things we would have never chosen for ourselves. But Lord, we lay our lives before you. As your word says, man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You are accomplishing your purposes in our lives. You are expanding our ministries, enriching our ministries, authenticating Our ministries. Sometimes maybe we can see it, sometimes maybe we can't. But oh God, would you give us eyes of faith to trust you, to cling to you, to follow you, even into the unknown great hope Lord pray for mamas here that are raising up young kiddos would you encourage them, would you strengthen them comfort them Lord for any of our sisters here who are longing for children and, and in your plans it's been not yet would you help them Would you minister to them? Lord, for we children, we think of Proverbs 31. Her children rise up and bless her. May that be us. Blessing our mamas, encouraging our mamas, thanking our mamas. Or we husbands and we dads. Um, Her husband also saying, Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Lord, help us to be encouraging men to our wives and to the mothers of our children. And Lord, again, any who may be here today who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, would you help them to understand? that He is the Lord who has come to rescue sinners like them and that in Him they can be forgiven and in Him they can have new life. Might you draw them by your mighty, powerful Spirit to believe and trust in Jesus today. And we will pray all of this in Jesus' great In holy name, amen. Amen.